Broadcasting from Knoxville along the banks of the mighty Tennessee River, this is the Startup Knox podcast, featuring interviews with local entrepreneurs about their startups. I'm your host, Brandon Bruce, and today I'm talking with Jamie Houghton, founder of My Simple Life. Jamie launched My Simple Life in 2019. It is facilitating the swift and complete annihilation of the fax machine, specifically having to do with communications between doctors and attorneys. My Simple Life has two employees and over 800 customers. Welcome to the show, Jamie. Thanks, Brandon. Good to be here. Absolutely. So tell us about this annihilation of the fax machine. Uh, you actually emailed me yesterday with a link to a New York Times article. And the title of the article is Bottleneck for U.S. Coronavirus Response, The Fax Machine. Uh, and it was like, what? Like, what are we using fax machine for in the midst of a pandemic? So talk about that article. Talk about My Simple Life and how you're trying to wipe out the fax machine. Yeah. Um, thanks again for having me. Um, the fax machine. So um, at Simple Life, we believe simplifying work simplifies life. Um, and there's a lot of work processes, one being the fax machine, that it's old, it's archaic, and it's really time to, to let it go. Um, so, for example, um, medical and legal uh, offices are constantly sending fax back and forth, and it is a redundant process when it should be sent across with data, um, metadata, with a document, uh, so that somebody's not doing double data entry on each side. Uh, so that article that came out was, we have e-faxes, we have physical faxes, um, and it was a particular healthcare, or sorry, a, uh, a government health organization in Texas that all of a sudden somebody decided to fax a bunch of hospital records to them so that they could analyze what was going on in their local community. Well, all of a sudden, paper just started coming out of this fax machine uh, for a long time. And I think they, they posted a picture of just how many pieces of paper it was. How does that get organized? It was cool. crazy to read the article. I think they said 1,200 pages were on the floor next to the fax, fax machine when the employees got to work the next morning. And then it's like, what? yeah, to your point, like, what do you do with that data? Okay, so for, so for my simple life, how does a doctor's office use your platform? And then same question on a law office? How does a law firm use the platform? Um, both of these industries uh, rely on each other to conduct business. Um, uh, law firms need to get medical records, whether it's a disability attorney trying to file a disability claim for uh, their client uh, and, and vice versa, um, just the communication back and forth. So for a medical records request, the traditional methodology used, the traditional workflow process is an attorney would send a fax to a doctor's office, and then that fax has to be found, organized, uh, given to a person that handles medical records request. It sits on a file for a minute. Uh, generally, um, and most often, uh, the provider charges for that. Each state mandates that a medical office can charge for the time uh, that it takes uh, to actually get that records request done. And so eventually, they'll send an invoice, and then an invoice goes via fax to an attorney's office and the attorney's office gets an invoice. They choose to pay or not pay. All of a sudden a check somehow is printed or handwritten and then a check is mailed to a doctor's office. Accounting gets the check. Eventually the check makes its way to the medical records person and, oh, hey, this was paid for. We can now fax them the records. Then another fax is sent across to the attorney office to when they then have 1,200 pieces of paper on the floor that they now can organize 
and figure out which medical records these are. So it's a 90-day process that we've simplified down to roughly six minutes. Wow, six minutes. So I guess you had a choice. You could either have gotten into the fax machine or the fax paper business, and you went the third route. Uh, You decided, let's narrow this down uh, to about six minutes instead of 90 days. So who, who wins here? I mean, it sounds like both the law firm and the doctor's office both win because time savings and because they can reconcile uh, these bills faster. And then the third party that benefits is the patient, in the case of the doctor's office, the client for the law firm. It's a three-way win. So there's a person that uh, carries the the title, they're a patient. Uh, They're also a client of a firm. And so the person really gets to win. Uh, what they're aiming to do is get something done. So the reason they have an attorney, there's a reason they're you know, needing to have it, whatever that may be. And they really win. So the consumer wins at the end of the day by having the process seamless, move along faster, and whatever their objective was of needing to communicate with an attorney firm, uh, they're the real winner. Um, but it is a win-win-win. Uh, it's, it's fast for everybody. It's more efficient. And so everybody takes a part of the win. So when did you decide to start building the software and and why did you decide to start building it? I mean, you've described how the customer can use it, how you're working to annihilate the fax machine. But what was the thing that triggered for you that said, I need to sit down and start cranking out software to fill this gap? Um, I would say it comes from many different experiences, both in, in work life and just life itself. I'll give a quick story on, on one. Um, so my wife, um, we live here in Knoxville with our three daughters. Uh, she goes to Vanderbilt for some of her medical needs. And when we go to Vandy, it's a three-hour drive and we have to get a babysitter. So both costs, uh, you know, time costs, and then just true hard dollars. So we get to Vanderbilt, get to her appointment, amazing doctor. We sit down and he says, hey, we never received your MRI images. And I thought, oh, man, uh, that means what now? And he said, well, we can't conduct the appointment. I, I, I don't have anything to review. And I thought, well, hey, wait, 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 hang on a second. I have the CD in my truck. If I go grab that, can, can you just like load on your computer and like take a look? And then we could go ahead and like find out, you know, what, 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 what your thoughts are. And he said, yeah, that works. Oh, wait, my, my computer. It doesn't have a CD drive. Many don't have CD drives these days. Like, well, that's a shaft. Like, oh, wait, my computer's in the car. It does have a CD drive, and I can bring the CD and the computer. Will that work? Yes. Luckily, we saved ourselves an additional trip to Vanderbilt, an additional cost of having a babysitter because I just so happened to have the CD with the DICOM file of her images in the truck, and we had a computer that could actually access a CD. My luck is probably not experienced by many. Um, and so not only do we change the processes of the facts, um, but I believe every patient would like to have access to their medical records. A lot of our customer discovery that we're doing now is finding out what does the customer want. And so we, we, we definitely spend a lot of our energy on discovery. Um, but if that was in my, my Simple F account and I was in control of all my medical records, I wouldn't have to go to the truck. I wouldn't have to worry if he got the images. I could simply just click a few buttons and transfer the DICOM file to him in the cloud and he could have just had it visible instantaneously. Those experiences are what drive me to continue growing and, and making Simple F great. Yeah, I've, I've actually had a very similar experience of um, you know, getting an opinion from a physician we're going in for an appointment to get one. And the physician saying, uh, I haven't seen the file yet. 
right? And they called in their team and do we have the file? And well, I thought I sent you the file and nobody has the file. Well, does, did anyone get the disc? Did the disc arrive from the other provider, which is, you know, hundreds of miles away. Yep. And so it's like, you know, again, to your point, like, luckily it's like, okay, let's fish out the disc and let's make it work. But yeah, it, like you're sort of shaking your head in that moment being like, is this for real? Like, is this the status of, of the industry? Uh, when, you know, if one of us wants to share a file with the other one, we simply send it by an email, right? Put it in a Dropbox folder, put it in a Google Drive, like whatever we need to do, we move the file around and it just works. So it's, it's crazy that that's the case. So we've already talked several times about this concept of annihilating the fax machine, which is language that you use on your website and in your promotional materials. And I think that's something that you found resonates with your customers, right? So it's not like, like, the, like the messaging, the language that you use in your website is actually pretty different than most startups and especially in the fields of healthcare and law firms, the fields that have been around basically since forever. And that the language you use is, is highly personal and I think probably resonates with the people that are experiencing these pain points. So let me give an example uh, and, and folks that are listening can go to mysimplelifeinc.com and take a look at this. So this is your vision statement from your website. We imagine a world where you, you, where you only use paper when you want to paint a picture of a meadow. We imagine a world where DVDs are not used to distribute medical imaging files. Honestly, that DVD... Or is it CD? Does CD still exist? What about Blu-ray? That's still a thing, right? Anyway, that disc is just going to be lost in the area between the driver's seat and the center console. Everybody knows DVDs are for watching Frozen with your children when there's a global pandemic and your streaming service of choice is experiencing interruptions, right? And I can picture the person (laughs) responsible for documentation in their law firm or in the doctor's office saying like, yes, like here's someone that actually understands what my day-to-day workflow looks like and wants to help me fix it versus like some more bland messaging that might just say, Hey, do you spend a lot of time doing faxes? We'd like to help you solve that. What, you know, one, I think this reflects your personality, right? As the founder. And so it helps people to connect directly with you, but what went into your decision to kind of go to market with, with this type of persona? Um, This type of persona, we, we, we spend as much energy as we can in being methodical with the decisions we make and coming up with the company voice is very important. And I don't know if we've nailed it or not, uh, but as a entrepreneur, you got to pick something and go with it. Um, I'm a dad with three daughters under the age of six and my wife does have the minivan and there probably is a CD some in some crack in that vehicle. And if there is also an imaging CD that she received from a doctor's appointment, or maybe it's a medical record. It's definitely folded up, and it's it's not going to be used more than once. It might be used for a, a quick uh, diaper changing if you ran out of wipes. Um, so we just wanted to appeal to the the our customer that we get it, um, and our goal is to actually help you simplify your daily processes. And we're normal people. Um, so we aim for the playful voice, but still serious. Um, it's uh, a definite balance um, where many of the things that I say, we, we, we won't be putting those on the website. Right. <laughs> um, so what's the feedback like? You've got over 800 people on the platform using it today to simplify their workflow. 
And what are they coming back and saying, hey, this is, this is a big time saver, or we want these 10 additional features, or this is the one that's the best for me, or I'm confused about this. Like, talk about that customer feedback loop, because I think, and this is you know, a quote that's become pretty famous in startup circles, and a lot of people attribute it to the boxer Mike Tyson, right? Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. I mean, going to market is that moment for a startup where it's like, well, I really like this idea. I'm going to build something, in your case, software. And then you get it out to the market, and that's the first time it's been out in the wild. And customers can experiencing it, can experience it, and then come back to you with their feedback. So, so what are people saying, and how has it helped you to continue to to iterate quickly on the product? Uh, yes, the punch to the face will be experienced by all um, uh, pre pre building a software platform or pre building a company. Do as much discovery as possible, and know that you're likely being lied to a lot. Um, many people said, Hey, if you build this, uh, you're going to get all my money. We would sign up immediately, but that's just not the truth. Uh, so going to market, we went to, uh, we launched on January 27th, uh, of this year. Uh, so pre COVID we launched in Phoenix, Arizona and through COVID, uh, our industries, the industries that we focus on, um, uh, medical, legal, um, they are having a very tough time right now, uh, really staying afloat. Uh, and so as we now are doing, going back and doing more customer discovery um, and questioning our customers, not as a sales process, but really getting to know them better uh, and refining and fine tuning our products and our go to market strategy, um, there's been plenty of challenges. Um, challenges pre COVID are different than challenges uh, with COVID 19. So pre COVID 19 uh, on the 27th of January did a, uh, uh, went to like a, a, a venue for a group of uh, providers that were doing continuing education. And not a single person said I, that they didn't want this. Uh, well, that's great. Uh, we did figure out through that process that our price point might have been off a bit. Um, and so we made some refinements on uh, pricing as we moved into the next month. Uh, due to customer And real quick to interrupt you on, so yeah. on the pricing, like this is, this is a big thing for everybody in the startup world is trying to figure out pricing. And more often than not, it resembles, uh, you know, throwing darts. Uh, mm-hmm. Like you just got to come up with something and be like, well, the price is X. And then you sort of, you know, look for facial expressions and body language and audible response to decide, like, am I in the ballpark? Did I just, did I just undercut myself by three X? Did I price too high and freaking the customer out? So what was the, what was the feedback that you got? And, and, and then how did you adapt your pricing model? Yeah, um, I I got to thank you. I think I bugged you in July of 2019 and said my biggest problem is pricing, <laughs> and uh, I it, it really is a very difficult thing. Um, the a few people that I've talked to, uh, one Ben Seely, uh, he mentioned you need to go at it in tranches. Um, a unique word, but. Um, Test your pricing with uh, 10 people, 20 people, uh, potential customers, your prospects. Uh, So in the early days, there is a lot of testing that goes on. um, But eventually, you need to get something that if if you're a tech company, now it is on the site where you can fully register and we never meet you. It's turnkey. And so we did come up with a pricing of uh, $39 a month uh, per member uh, of a team. Um, And so I don't know if I've answered your question well or or not. Pricing is a challenge. Ask a lot of questions. Um, one thing I recently learned, I've been uh, really lucky to get involved uh, with uh, KEC in the works program. Uh, Patrick Hunt um, uh, gave me some tips the other day that were just invaluable. 
And it's when you're doing customer discovery, um, when you're asking the customer, would you, you shouldn't say, would you pay $300? That's not a good way for them to uh, work through it. So one thing I learned is uh, currently um, anyone in a law firm, they're paying for maybe an e-fax, they're paying for a regular fax machine, they're paying for paper, uh, they're paying for email, they're paying for these they're paying for tools that they use that hopefully make their business more efficient. And for our product, it was identifying what is something that's similar, uh, what our product would be similar to what. Don't give it to the person uh, that is your potential customer as you're you know, working through the discovery. And ask questions along the lines of, what's something you're using now in your business that really provides value and helps you have a better workflow process? And they'll come up. Gotcha. With so you're looking for like analogies to their to their stack, uh, to, to to use a software term, right? So almost every worker has a stack of software that they use. So frequently in the cloud, it might be like a license of Salesforce, a license of uh, G Suite or Office 365 for email and calendar and stuff. Maybe a license of Slack for internal communications. Nowadays, a Zoom license uh, for doing a lot of online demos. And so you're asking your users at, at law firms and doctor's offices alike, like basically describe your software stack and, you know, which of these tools are your favorites, why? And, and if we took one away, would it be devastating to you? Sort of differentiating between the, the nice to haves, like, well, this is fun to have and I, I like it and it's a good bell and whistle, or like the must have, like if this software goes down, I leave work for the day. Yeah, it's um, allowing allowing the potential customer to move into, they label the value on something that they currently pay for. And they realize, well, I'm not going to not pay this X dollars per month per year because that's actually a valuable product for us. And once they've identified what it is that they are, they're okay with paying that because they're currently doing it. Then if you have a similar product to the way you've designed your question, if you can find out that they want to pay for that fax machine, but you can offer, well, if Simple Life allowed you to you know, reduce all faxes and actually implement other benefits, would you pay the exact same price you just stated? And now they can compare it and say, well, yeah, I guess if, if it did that, then that would make sense. I would pay that. Well, since it's doing more, wouldn't it be worth more? And slowly guiding them to understanding what they are paying and then it's been a benefit, but it's still just, it's a, it's pricing. It's very difficult. It is. It's hard, right? And you have to constantly look at it, get feedback about it. And from time to time, uh, tweak it. But what I think you're describing is really interesting because, you know, most frequently when I look at pride, I tend to think like, okay, what, what is it replacing? Like, oh, you, you lack a thing that does this workflow and we're providing one. So look at all of the time savings, which then equates to money savings. But in a lot of ways, for many people, this it, it's it's hard to conceptualize that. It's like, well, I don't, I don't know exactly how much time I might be losing and you got to run a study on it. Whereas analogizing it to something they're very familiar with, some other piece of software, some other tool they're using and the pricing that that has, I think it could be a really great way to anchor them psychologically around the value that you're offering. So I think that's important. Uh, you mentioned the works program at the Knoxville Entrepreneur Center. What is the program? How did you get into it? Where are you in the program right now? How long does it go? And, and what are your goals uh, going through it? 
yeah. So uh, Knoxville Entrepreneur Center has a summer program called the Works Program. Um, it is a 10-week program uh, where there's uh, mentoring and the objective is to help local startups uh, really hit light speed. Um, and it's it's amazing. So a lot of great mentors and a lot of great product knowledge, a lot of learning. I'm treating it like a college course. Um, and it takes a lot of time, but it's the important stuff. Uh, things that should have been done uh, a year ago. Um, so um, how did I get introduced? Um, I believe I was on a, a lunch pool, um, a meet and greet, uh, some Knoxville um, event, and then happened to uh, get introduced to Jim Biggs, who is the executive director. And uh, Jim and I spoke a few times. He heard about Simple Life, and uh, uh, they invited me to come. So really fortunate to get that invitation. Um, so they have six companies uh, going through the program. A lot of all-stars all are in there, some great people. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're five weeks in. Uh, tonight, four to seven, I've got Brand Camp, uh, which is a, a really fun and challenging process as well. Um, learning a lot about research. Doing your research is very important. So for you and for Simple Life, what does what the rest of 2020 look like in terms of priorities? Is a big focus for you iterating on the product, adding some features that customers are clamoring for or that a lot of leads have said they have to have it in order for them to adopt the platform? Or is it keeping the platform really stable and hitting marketing and sales as hard as you can, kind of expanding the footprint? Is it a combination of both? What are you, what are you working toward uh, yeah, for 2020. Growth is is 100% the focus. Um, so growth and then implementing through our customer discovery, we have found that all consumers uh, have shown a high interest in being able to have access and control over their medical records. Um, the design structure is to go ahead and it's not available yet, uh, but we'll have it for a public registration for anyone to register for their own Simple Life account and start controlling the storage and maneuvering of their medical records to and from their doctors, their attorneys, their family members. Um, and so that is something we plan to launch in uh, Q4 as a anyone can register. Right now, we do have individuals that use it. It's going well uh, and just making a few tweaks uh, there before we launch. Uh, but outside of uh, adding that new division of allowing anyone to control their medical records. Um, we are launching in some new markets uh, and just uh, aiming to get more providers, more attorneys on the platform and uh, yeah, tweak it as we go. Exciting. All right, let's jump in and do this uh, kind of lightning round of questions. Uh, first one, are you currently fundraising? Yes. It's we a good answer. Um, <laughs> so act, is, are, you, are you developing a pitch or are you actively pitching uh, in front of uh, groups now, like angel groups, venture capital firms? Um, currently having conversations with um, uh, different groups and have been lucky enough to get some introductions uh, through Casey and through some other relationships. Um, and so we are refining that process. But yes, we, we do plan. We had so much growth in COVID. We do know that we could have even more growth if we had uh, a little more power and the right partners behind us. Excellent. Uh, what about hiring? Are you adding more people to the team? Um, we are planning to have uh, a Q4 uh, large increase in staff. Nice. That's super exciting. Yeah. Uh, what book are you reading right now? Uh, Measure What Matters. Um, and that is uh, learning at OKRs. So clearly defining your objectives and uh, learning how to have measurable key results. It's been uh, part of the uh, works program at KC. And uh, uh, it's a good book. Um, the other one is The Strangest Secret by Earl Nightingale. 
a gym. Love it. Uh, what about podcasts? Aside from the Startup Knox podcast, what are you listening to these days? Well, we, we all know I only listen to the Knoxville Startup Podcast. <laughs> Love your voice. Um, I listen to Guy Raz's uh, How I Built This. I, I really would recommend that for, for anyone. It's great. Yep, that's on NPR, uh, probably the best known podcast that focuses on kind of the origin stories and the founder stories for a lot of the biggest and best known uh, brands around. Fantastic show. Uh, who are you following online? Online, I would say Tony Shea is somebody that I do follow online, uh, founder of Zappos. His book is one of my favorites. Um, love his culture. Um, I did find out on a LinkedIn feed that he has an alpaca named Marley. And so I, I hit him up with the uh, synergies that we have. We crush fax machines. He has an alpaca. We're currently aiming to see if we can find some synergies there. And, and yeah, fascinating entrepreneur. Uh, sold Zappos to Amazon many years ago. Uh, he's a big staple and booster of the Las Vegas community. And I think Zappos is perhaps best known for, aside from uh, free shipping and free returns of shoes, which when they launched was a big deal and still is now, but their just extreme focus on customer service uh, to the point that when they hire people, they will actually offer to pay them to leave if they feel like they're not a good fit. Yeah. If they're not enjoying the job, Zappos will pay them uh, to exit the company because they just want people that are just so excited and passionate to be there yeah. uh, serving their customers. So yeah, a great book and a really interesting culture to look at. Uh, as people scale their startups. He has a unique philosophy. Um, in his book, he would they were not concerned about someone buying a $600 pair of shoes, wearing them over the weekend and returning them for free on Monday. Because um, not everybody's like that. Uh, but the reason they would allow that for someone to do it over and over and over again is because every they were walking advertisement. Every person that saw them over the weekend, it's like, man, I really want to get those shoes. And it would force nine other quality you know, buyers to buy the shoes. So they got nine great sales and lost one. I thought that's unique. And we have tried to implement uh, something similar with, uh, with the launch of Simple Life. Right. Where do you get those shoes? Ah, I found them on Zappos. Yep. Um, okay. Your website, we mentioned it before, mysimplelifeinc.com. Uh, what's the best way for listeners to contact you? Email is probably best. Um, I have the unique spelling of Jamie. It's J-A-M-E. Uh, so Jamie at mysimplelifeinc.com. Fantastic. Jamie, thanks for coming on the show. Uh, best of luck to you and the team at Simple Life and enjoy the rest of the works program. You're going to have a huge 2020. Excited uh, to see you all continue to scale up through the end of the year. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for having me, Brennan. Thanks everybody for listening to the Startup Knox podcast. If you like the show, you can subscribe to listen to more interviews with Knoxville entrepreneurs. Please also leave a review on Apple, Google, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. If you want to know more about today's episode, check out the show notes on our website at startupnox.com. Also on our site, you can find a startup ecosystem guide, a startup directory, an investor directory, and a curated startup events calendar for Knoxville. Join me for the next episode where I'll talk with Megan O'Connor, founder of Nth Cycle, about her disruptive technology for recycling rare earth and specialty metals. Basically, those metals that are essential for everything, including your computer and your cell phone, and her experience in the Innovation Crossroads program at Oak Ridge National Laboratory. Thanks for listening.